Poised for Exit is a show for business owners who want to achieve a successful future exit based on their own terms. Your business exit will likely be the biggest financial transaction of your life. And for most, you'll have one shot at doing it right. The topics and guests we feature and the stories they share will provide valuable ideas and strategies to improve operations and grow enterprise value so you can achieve the best possible exit outcome. Now here's your host, Julie Keys. Welcome everyone to Poised for Exit, the podcast show for business owners. In this episode, we are going to speak with the founder and owner of a conflict resolution services firm, something that we would all likely benefit from during these volatile times. But first, we're going to hear from our show sponsors, JAK CPAs and Sunbelt Business Advisors. Many business owners planning a business transition feel overwhelmed and don't know where to begin. The CPAs at JAK, John A. Knutson & Company, can guide you to make sense of the numbers and tax pieces of your transition. Our firm was established over 90 years ago, and we have assisted many companies with ownership transitions. Leaving your business successfully takes time, so contact us today to discuss your situation. Visit our website at jakcpa.com. You wouldn't go deep-sea fishing without a guide, or skydive without an instructor. So don't sell your business without a broker. Now is a great time to sell a business. Many are selling at a premium. Contact a business broker at sunbeltminnesota.com or call Sunbelt Business Advisors at 612-455-0880 and get a free confidential business valuation so you'll know what your business might be worth. Because selling your business is the biggest financial decision you may ever make. There is a record number of buyers looking for businesses right now. It is a seller's market. You could list, sell, and get more for your business now and start the next successful chapter of your life. Call 612-455-0880 today or visit sunbeltminnesota.com. Minnesota's largest seller of companies. 612-455-0880, sunbeltminnesota.com. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here today with Mike Gregory, a national speaker, instructor, author, and practitioner on conflict resolution through the use of effective collaboration. Now, I have to say, this topic really speaks to my heart. It is uh, something that I aspire to be better at all the time in my professional work. And, and I think just being a strong advocate for professional collaboration like Mike is, we're going to be hearing an awful lot of good tips and advice from him today in this short interview. So, Mike, welcome to Poised for Exit. Great to have you. Well, thank you very much. It's my pleasure to be here. And you're back on the road. Yes, I am. As a national speaker. I understand you're going to be in Las Vegas at Planet Hollywood coming up soon. Yes, and then I'm heading off to Miami and on from there. Oh, boy. So you'll be, uh, I'll fly in the friendly skies and racking up all kinds of mileage points. There you go. Good for you. So let's talk about collaboration. I know that there's so much that we can talk about, but maybe you could just kind of take us back a little bit and tell us how you got into this and what is it that you learned about collaboration that made you want to focus on that for your professional practice? Well, I'm going to start at the very beginning. Okay. Shortly after I was born. Okay. <laughs> my twin brother, Mark, entered the world and I joined my other four siblings and I learned the elements of collaboration from a very early age. My mother uh, would say to us as twins, can you two figure out what you want to do with this if we're fighting over a ball or something? And if we couldn't figure it out, the ball disappeared. So Mike and Mark said, we have to figure out how to make this work. <laughs> so at a very early age, I learned about collaboration. Mm -hmm. But through time, I, I took a course back in the late 90s, 99, 
at Hamlin mm. University, Hamlin Law School, mm. on uh, mediation. And I came mm. back and applied this, and it worked at work. Mm. And uh, my boss had me then start to do this in other environments. And I was an assistant director at the time with about 1,200 employees, and ended up bringing this to my organization. We trained some 2,500 people in uh, mediation conflict resolution, and it really works. Over time, I learned that you can take this and not just apply it in conflicts for mediation, mm -hmm. but for collaboration, make it into a positive. Mm -hmm. So I've, I've taken the negative of conflict resolution and turned it into what we really need to do is connect with others. Mm. Be authentic, connecting mm. with others. And then listen actively. And we're not the best at that. There's lessons on mm -hmm. how to listen actively. Mm -hmm. And then you can educate others judiciously. That is the way they want to be educated instead of how you want to educate them. Sure. And this helps build bridges to negotiate closure. And that's the collaboration effect based on neuroscience. And I've been working with neuroscientists now for over nine years. Yes, I know. I've heard you speak before on this topic mm -hmm. more than once, and I learned something new every single time. So for those of you listening right now, I hope that you take the time to repeat this because you're going to want to. So, okay, communication, collaboration. Let's talk about the differences between the two. Well, communication is effectively you're sharing information between each other. Mm -hmm. Collaboration says we have a goal. Oh. We're trying to accomplish something. And you and I are working together to make something happen. Mm -hmm. So if we collaborate, the goal of whatever it is we're trying to do, we need to work together to reach that goal. Different than just communication. Mm -hmm. Whereas back and you know, communication being back and forth, right? You communicate, then I communicate, then we have an understanding or we take the next step or whatever that is. But we don't necessarily have the same goal. In communication, correct. Right, but you would in collaboration. In collaboration, we mm. have something we're trying to do together, whatever it might be. There's mm. something we're trying to do. And we want to be more productive. We right. want to be positive. We want to have pleasure with what we're doing. And collaboration brings all those elements together. Okay, so in the times that we're in, right, I'm not trying to date the episode or anything, but this has been going on a while, so I don't think that I am. Has this conversation become more popular, more prevalent? Are more organizations wanting you to come in and actually talk about this? Because we are in some volatile times and it has, you know, changed the way that people communicate and behave, unfortunately, not so much on the positive side of things. Yes. So, the, the answer to that is yes. There's mm -hmm. a greater demand for this. I've been, I've talked to sales forces, corporations, mm. associations, societies, uh, all sorts of different organizations. And I, it, I don't necessarily have the same title of how do you make uncomfortable situations comfortable. But I ask them, what are your needs? What are your concerns? And as I talk with these folks and learn the concerns from their people, I generate an individualized presentation to address what their needs and concerns are. You know, there's a group out there called Better Angels. I don't know if you're familiar with this group. No, I'm not. Um, they have about 6,000 members, and they are addressing the issue between the reds and blues in our country. So think mm -hmm. of the difficulties of hmm. how ingrained people are as reds and blues. Mm -hmm. And they brought people together to say, here's what we can learn from each other. Mm. And it's a growing organization because of the demand that's needed, given the divisiveness of that. Yes. Well, the same thing in terms of stress from the pandemic, et cetera, are addressing similar issues that we have additional stress. I, I listened to a Dr. Terry Wu about two weeks ago. He's a neuroscientist. And he pointed out we all have a stress activator. We all do. But the three things that we want to do to reduce stress in ourselves and in others is may, how do we address control? And if we mm. have more control, we have less stress. Yes. How do we address predictability? 
Mm-hmm. That's your routine. What's going to take place? What's going to happen in the future? And how do we address progress and break it into smaller parts? The more you have control and predictability and can address progress going forward, the less stress you have. So if you, if you have a micromanager, the micromanager might feel good because they're controlling. On the other hand, you have a micromanager. You're not liking it because they're controlling. So if we understand this, you can look at things and say, what is it I can control? And if mm-hmm. we can control it, great. And if I can't control it, I need to address that I can't control it. And can I let that go because yes. I can't control it? And is that more about like naming your fear too, or not more about it? But I mean, is th- that has something to do with it, right? Because isn't the old saying that if you name your fear, it has less power over you? There, there's an element of truth to that. Yes, mm-hmm. it's a matter of recognizing. And, yes, and, and usually we don't pause. You know, if we if we take, it's been shown if we take just ten minutes a day, yeah, for meditation, yes, prayer. Mm-hmm. reflection, mm-hmm. just 10 minutes a day. After 21 days, we're more relaxed. We tend to not get angry as easy. Mm-hmm. We tend to address elements in the world and take things of, again, what I can control and what I can't. I'm not going to let that upset me. So knowing your fear, I'm relating it different, slightly differently with, mm-hmm. if we meditate and take time to clear our prefrontal cortex, that's in the front of our head. Mm-hmm. If we clear our prefrontal cortex, we can help reduce the stress that we're under. Wonderful. I'm sure everyone um, needs to do that these days. I, I swear by that morning time to, to just collect thoughts and pray and drink coffee and think about life. And it, it, it really does help with moving on, right? And just getting into the day and releasing some of the things that maybe were keeping you up at night. Hopefully not, but I think that that happens too, right? Yes, and there's a course offered by Yale that's free, Yale University, on happiness that anybody can take. Mm. And the five different elements of that course are gratitude. So when I'm brushing my teeth and starting my day, I look in the mirror. I'm, I have glasses, and when I take my glasses off, I'm legally blind. I can't see very well, but I can <laughs> see my smile. So I smile in the mirror, yeah. and then I think about my wife, and I think mm. about all the things that I have and how grateful I should be. So mm. that's the first step. Next is label negative feelings. You can just... Label them in a notebook. You can open a Word document. Somebody sends you an email. Don't send an email back if you're angry. Put it in Word. Next day, you can delete it. Mm-hmm. You can edit it, whatever. But labeling negative feelings, uh, making the decision good enough, uh, having appropriate touch with others. My wife, when she comes home from work, she's had a hard day. She needs about a half hour to unwind. And then she comes into my home office. I have an office in the home. We might hug for 15 seconds. Mm-hmm. Oh, does that feel good? It does, doesn't it? And if it? you don't have somebody like that, with a dog or with whoever appropriate touch. And the, the last item in here is 10 minutes a day of meditation, prayer, mm-hmm. or reflection. The folks that take this at Yale, over half the students take it. It's a one-credit course. And the president of Yale was asked, why are you teaching this course? They said, these are the leaders of the future. Mm-hmm. We want them to be able to apply this where they work. So just think about that. Yeah, and that's um, through Yale mm-hmm. called the Happiness Course. Is mm-hmm. that what it's called? Yeah, if okay. You, if you Google happiness mm-hmm. in Yale, you'll bring it right up, and it's free. Yeah, well, we will have to put that in the show notes for sure. Now, let's talk about the collaboration effect. That is a phrase that you coined a while back, and I know that that's a hot topic of you know not just your keynote addresses that you give, um, but you have a um, some coursework on it too or some some resources. Let's talk about that, Mike. If somebody went to my website, which is simply mikegreg.com, okay. and they can look on resources, they'll see elements in there that relate to the collaboration effect, including something called the pocket guide, which is mm. something I gave you with the book I just gave you. Yeah, too. thank you. And that pocket guide is a little trifold, fits in a pocket, but it addresses these elements I brought up with authentically connecting with others. 
And if it's someone you don't know, how you can look them up on the internet ahead of time, uh, look at LinkedIn, look at Facebook, uh, just Google their names, look at, look at different sources, and what are ways I can try to connect with that person? What are things we have in common? And if, mm-hmm. you, do, if you do know them, uh, expand on that with what are things we can relate to with one another and really try to connect. And the second part on this act of listening, I use an acronym, PAST, P-A-S-S-E-D, paraphrase, ask open-ended questions, summarize, suspend judgment. Now, that one's hard. Mm-hmm. Suspend judgment. Mm-hmm. Then empathize. And the last one is very hard, too. Do not offer advice. Mm. The D is do not offer advice. So I have adult children, I have grandchildren, and with my children, I sometimes want to offer some advice looking at my grandkids and things. And, <laughs> and I'll ask uh, my daughter and I'll say, could I offer you some advice right now? And she might say, no, it's really hard, but I have to go okay, in my mind, okay, mm-hmm. and this is not the time. Mm-hmm. And I may bring it up at a later time, and I may not, but yeah. I'll ask if I could give some advice. And that's just made a great relationship, which yeah. could have gone bad given there's something bad going on right now and I want to offer advice but it's not up to me it's up to me to listen to them yeah I I think it's a it kind of goes back to my days when I first it reminds me anyway of when I first started advising business owners and 10 11 years ago now can't believe that it's been so long um but we learned when we became certified to to never tell um just to ask like you said, ask good questions. And it kind of is similar to not just our, our you know, advisor-client relationships, but also parents to children, um, employers to employees. No one likes to be told, right? Well, there's a, there's a great book out there written by John Baker called The Asking Formula. Mm-hmm. And John Baker used to be the CEO of Shearson American Express for 10 years. And his book, I, I like to break things down into threes because I can remember three things pretty well, but not much beyond there. That's I'm just a, a simple, model. <laughs> I'm a simple guy. But, but his book essentially says, know what you want, ask for it. Have three reasons why it's beneficial for them. And then seal it. Let them ask questions. Mm-hmm. Address what they have concerns on. And I, I heard him speak in January of 2019, just before COVID. Mm-hmm. And I've been applying that ever since in my business. And mm-hmm. boy, does that work. I'm just wow. going to say that really works. So as a speaker, if a meeting planner calls me up, I, I work that same thing with them. Or if I'm, I have a potential client on a mediation, I mediate two to four times all around the country every month. You do? Yeah. Are they virtual meetings of mediation or in, in person? They're all virtual today. Oh, sure. Yeah, they're all okay. virtual. Yeah. yeah, how it, that's got to be difficult to do mediation work virtually. No, when you're it, not in the room personally. Well, it, it takes a little longer, mm. and we have to have two signed agreements: one for the mediation, one for the virtual. With the rules you have to have for virtual. Right. But the reality is, it's actually I think worked out better because it slows things down. Because mm. we don't. We, I won't be on a, uh, a a virtual meeting for more than an hour and a half. That's mm. pretty intense with two people, mm-hmm. two parties, two businesses are in conflict with another, but an hour and a half is about the maximum somebody wants to be involved with something like that. So you might have done something in a day, face-to-face, and mm-hmm. we would take breaks. But on the virtual, it might take us a month, but it might be uh, another week or two weeks between sessions, Sure. and we all come prepared. And I, I always talk with the parties ahead of time, make mm-hmm. sure that this is something that may work for them, mm-hmm. don't want to waste their time. Mm-hmm. But once we move into the session, there are rules that we have. And in mediation, the parties make all the decisions. Yes. So when we get done, 
they feel good about what the decision is because it's their decision. And then they turn it over to their legalese and they write it up so everything can be done legally whatever state we're in or whatever might be involved. But it's really, uh, from, my, from my perspective, it's a very rewarding area to work in because the parties come up with their own solutions. And, and I think uh, based on conversations we've had in the past, I believe that you also do mediation for business owners. Oh, yes. Like between partners, between um, employer and employee, right? Yes. Family members, even family business. Yes. Mm. I, I'm not a family mediator, so like with mm-hmm. uh, parental rights and things like that. But on business to business, I have a background in business valuation. I have yes. a, some initials behind my name that being certified. In, yes, you, know, you do uh, have being, quite a few of those. A business <laughs> but I, I bring that business valuation elements yeah. to a business. Mm-hmm. So knowing how to value the business, if there's a conflict on the value between two parties, mm-hmm. and that could be in a divorce, you have an in-spouse with the business and an out-spouse without the business, and they've each gotten their experts and they're both ready to go to court, and both experts say, I'm right, and the attorney says, we're right, they're wrong. The reality is I can ask questions from like the old TV show Columbo, if you know what that was. And I'm like a Columbo. I ask questions. I just have one more question. And as I do this, the decision makers, the parties, they now understand that they're completely right and their other side completely wrong is no longer the way it is. And so they begin to start to move off their positions Mm. and they realize, I see where we're going to have maybe some difficulties here. And they could go 1090, 9010, anywhere in between, anywhere in between. But the key is the parties are going to end up making those decisions themselves. Mm-hmm. And they do. And that, it, it's, again, it's very rewarding. For sure. Um, kind of life changing, I bet, in some situations. It is. Oftentimes, the, the parties, mm-hmm. they know they want to have an agreement in mediation mm-hmm. and they don't know how to get there. Yeah. And just having someone ask questions so that their experts, the business valuers in this case, answer the questions, but I have them answer the questions such that everybody can understand. The attorney can understand and the parties can understand. And then they begin to see, oh, I do need to move off. And I do see why my number could be higher or my number could be lower. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, having that background is huge. It isn't just about breaking up a fight, right? right. right. <laughs> you actually can speak to the, tech, the technical side of, of that kind of work, which is but I do pretty it involved. By, but I do it by asking questions. Yes. So again, like you said, I'm not telling them what to do. I, yes. I, I ask a question. As I ask questions, sometimes you run into someone who's very stubborn and they don't move. Well, their client actually begins to realize hey, my expert is pretty stubborn and he's not moving. <laughs> and he he's uh, uh, actually hurting us right now versus helping us by being so stubborn in his, his or her position. Sure, yeah. <laughs> well, we all like to be right. Yes. No doubt about it. Okay, so there are situations, right, where you end up in these, uh, whether you're with a client or whether you're doing mediation or however it is that you're trying to foster collaboration, and, and somebody gets angry, right? Not just stubborn, but like they go to the next level and they get pretty angry. So what is it about getting angry? Um, what happens to our brain, really? Like, okay. So that maybe we could learn to control that a little bit better ourselves. Well, it turns out at the top of our brainstem is the amygdala. And the amygdala is about the size of your thumbnail or two almonds. And when you start to get angry, you have six to 10 seconds to stop yourself from what psychologists will call or neuroscientists call flooding. Mm. And flooding is when you hit with cortisol and adrenaline. We've all been there. You've gotten angry. You're yelling and screaming. You're not listening. You don't even know what's going on around you. That's called flooding. But you have six to 10 seconds to stop someone from flooding. And how do you stop someone Mm. from flooding? Wow. You do that by understanding that your prefrontal cortex overrides the amygdala. So when your boss yells at you, 
Do you yell back at your boss? No, because you're thinking food, water, shelter, and sex. If I yell at my boss, I could lose my job. I could lose a promotion. I could lose a bonus. I don't lose it with my boss. Your prefrontal cortex jumped in there to stop that. Mm. Well, what you can do is you realize if you're starting to get angry at a minimal level, you can just walk away. Mm. You can decide no matter what, I'm not going to get angry. You can say, I'm not, I am going to work to address my amygdala that wants to yell and scream right now, but I'm not going to let that happen. So that's a key component. And if someone starts to escalate in a mediation, I oftentimes will ask that, I'll look right at them and I'll ask that person a question or something, which gets them to focus on whatever it was that was just about to tick them off. And then there are elements that you can use for de-escalation purposes. Yeah, I was going to just ask you that. Let's talk about that. Yeah. So for example... I'm a fast talker, but when I'm in a mediation, I slow down. Hmm. So one thing you can do is slow down. Again, you decide whether to get angry or not. And we talked about active listening and using that past, the acronym of PAST. And don't take it personally. We oftentimes do. I said suspend judgment earlier. And be empathetic. Mm-hmm. Note that how they're feeling and empathize with them. Yeah. And be aware of your own emotional triggers. You have things that tick you off. When you realize that's coming, realize that. And again, you have six to 10 seconds to stop that. And don't pass judgment. Be courteous. When I mediate, turns out on the East Coast and the Northeast, less please and thank yous there. Okay? No kidding. Yeah, compared to the Midwest. I'm a <laughs> I'm Midwesterner. Kidding. I know. So, so, yeah. I, so I come back and say, one of the, one of the elements is I'll just say please and thank you and things like that. And it's kind of like, Wow, okay, hey, that's interesting. (laughs) And work with the other party to say yes. Mm. If you can get them to agree to something and get them to say yes, that's a critical component towards bringing them towards listening to you. And give yourself positive self-talk. So you can do this. So my name's Mike. You can do this, Mike. You're okay, Mike. You'll Mm. be all right, Mike. When when you watch, watch a famous basketball player like LeBron James has a bad game, he's been taught to respond in the third party. Mm. If you've ever watched those interviews, he'll say something like, LeBron James had a bad game today. LeBron James would be better for next time. So instead of personalizing and saying, I had a bad game, so you too, you can put yourself in the third person Mm. and say, come on, Mike, you're okay. Stick with this, Mike. Okay, listen, Mike. Remember, you want to focus. Just focus. And those kind of things, well, those are all things that can help you with de-escalating yourself or helping de-escalate others here too. Very interesting. Okay, so we talked a little bit about the happiness course and asking formula book. Any other takeaways or uh, tidbits that you'd like to share before we wrap up today, Mike? Well, I would focus on the book that I have come that I've come out with called The Collaboration Effect. Let's talk about that. Yeah, and that book addresses what I've just talked about at a very high level, but there's a lot of detail inside that book. Some of the elements I've included here too, but it's based on nine years of working with neuroscientists and taking Mm. both mediation and what I've learned from the neuroscientists and then practical application with some 2,500 mediations and negotiations I've been involved with from billion-dollar issues with major corporations to volunteering locally in housing court and conciliation court and neighborhood disputes and uh, assisting our communities after racially charged police shootings. Mm. Jamar Clark, Mm. uh, Philando Castile, George Floyd, we're involved with social justice issues. We're involved with mm. racial discrimination. And we're applying these same techniques mm. in those environments as well as when you think about things with just a conflict that you may have with someone else. The collaboration effect can be a very positive impact on all of us. 
Well, we will definitely have that in the show notes so people can access it easily. Okay. Thank you so much for being on the show today. There's so much more that we could be talking about, so we'll have to have you back. Okay. Well, definitely. My, well, my pleasure. Thank you. And I'm, I'm glad I was on Poised for Exit here today. And you can apply these things in exit planning, estate planning, all these different environments, and in your own personal life, too. So thank you for having me here, Julie. Absolutely. Absolutely. For our listeners, you will be able to find this episode as well as all of our other episodes for download on the Poised for Exit website where you can also order a copy of my book. Please do share this program with your business owner, friends, and colleagues. I'm sure that you found value in listening to it, and I hope you can join us again next time.